Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we will discuss with industry experts on how to create wealth and build passive income from apartment buildings, self-storage, mobile home parks, and much more. Here is your host, Jonathan Way. Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Way, and I'm the founder of Grayson Capital Group, my investment firm. If you're interested in passively investing with us, please visit graystonecapgroup.com and join our investor network. Okay, and now on to the show. Hello, Jeremy. Welcome to the show. Hey, so happy to be here, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Great. Awesome. Jeremy Goodrich is a commercial estate insurance advisor and REI Clarity podcast host. He helps, he's on a journey to help hundreds of commercial real estate investors manage risk and get clarity on the strategy. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how... Um, you help to manage your risk and insurance aspect of a multifamily. Absolutely. So I feel like there's three different types of risk. One is risk that you can control, right? There's a lot of risks you control. You take a little bit more risk, you take a little bit less risk, you have control over it. The second thing is risks you can't control. So inflation would be an exact example of risk that really you or I don't personally have control over. Other types of things are elements of that. Taxes you don't necessarily have control over. Political environments you don't have control over. But I think the third type of risk is the one that is most important and people don't realize. And that is simply risks you could have controlled had you known about them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so our entire sort of journey in decision-making and managing risk is all about how can we find more of the things we can control and then ultimately control them. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. That's, that's great. So let's, I, I know I own several multifamilies. So let's talk about multifamily and I guess insurance. What would one yeah. look for and what would you advise them and say, in terms of the policy and looking at deductibles and what, what like for example, let's say I have one in Dallas, Texas, what, what would you advise them on? So it does come back to your risk tolerance. I mean, Texas is an interesting place right now because with uh, the winter storm Uri last year and some other things going on, insurance companies are literally leaving Texas right now. We saw this in Florida in 2007 and 2008 after a couple of hurricanes, you know, insurance companies like to be around when they're making money and doing well and the claims aren't so bad. But when they have big losses, suddenly they will literally leave a state. Insurance companies are very state-based. They have to file with certain states and they set their things up that way. And so what we're seeing in Texas right now is really a lot of insurance companies fleeing from the the, the, the state, especially South Ter- Texas, Harris County, where Houston is. These are places that are pretty tough to insure. Dallas is a little bit different, right? You're uh, more insulated, a little further north. Um, there's a lot of good going on there. And so for someone in Dallas, I think you have access to a lot more like tier one companies. So insurance companies are broken up into three different tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one companies have the best coverage for the lowest price, right? You, yes. uh, you want a tier one company. These are companies that you've heard of before, Travelers, Nationwide, Liberty Mutual, some of the big companies that are out there. These are tier one companies. The problem is those companies are pretty picky. So they'll say no for a lot of reasons. Most of those companies are saying no to 100% apartment complexes in Florida or Louisiana, right? They're just not in those states. Uh, They're still in Dallas, but you're seeing less and less opportunity with them. So those are tier one companies. When those companies say no, then you have to go to a tier two company. The price gets higher and the coverage gets worse. 
And then if you can't get a coverage with a tier two company, if you've got a heavy lift or you have low occupancy, or maybe you have old aluminum wiring or something like that. Now we're going to a tier three company where our price is very high and our coverage is very low. So I think my advice for someone in Dallas, Texas, like yourself with a couple of, of properties would be one, make sure you communicate with an insurance advisor who knows what they're talking about when it comes to commercial real estate, who speaks your language, who knows what you're working towards and is in that space as a specialty. That would be number one. And then number two, I would say, you know, make sure that your property has everything in position to be able to get a tier one company. And if you can't <clears throat> ask the advisor, you know, what is it about this property that's causing problems? And if there's something you can fix, how could you address it? That's the surface answer. It obviously goes a lot deeper, but those are the things that I think of off the top of my head. Okay. I know Harris County got hit pretty hard. I think the ice storm was, was very uh, hurtful because mm -hmm. the water pipe broke. Some, yep. I think it was a storm, hurricane as well. Was a hurricane also affected Harris County? Yeah, you've got low, Harris County in general is fairly low land. You have uh, a lot of inlets from the Gulf that come pretty far north. And so the water is pretty deep into Harris County. And then you have Houston, which um, has tons of positive qualities. And then there's there, there can be some uh, struggles with crime or things of that nature. And so you've got the hurricanes, you've got the crime element, you've got uh, a lot, just Texas in general, you've got the coastal. And so you put all that together. Harris County is one of the toughest places to get insurance outside of South Florida right now. Mm -hmm. I heard that some of the, uh, the premiums doubled on some apartment owners in, in Houston, <laughs> Texas. Is that, is that true? Have you seen those? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, what I, I like for people to do is talk to me early in a process. If you already own an apartment, obviously it is what it is. But if you're thinking about buying a prop, uh, an apartment, especially if it's coastal or has something going on, talking to me early, I've talked with a couple of investors who are looking at deals, uh, particularly in Harris County or South Texas in general, and I'm throwing out numbers like $1,500 a door. And th that changes drastically their underwriting as they look to submit an LOI. Yeah, that's very, very high, $1,500 door. Um, I think Dallas is a lower because you have lower risk in that sense. Yeah, Dallas is, you know, depends on a lot of things, but you, I would expect Dallas to be somewhere in the, you know, $500 to $700 a door uh, okay. is probably what you're paying if you look at your insurance. Okay, okay. Now, do you do uh, other asset classes or only multifamily? I do uh, as, uh, office, retail, multifamily, industrial, self-storage. Those are the ones I focus on. Okay, great, great. Awesome, because I do a lot of self-storage as well. I might get a quote from you and see that as well. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Self-storage is, you know, obviously insurance is a lot cheaper for self-storage. You don't have people living in the property. The replacement cost on given buildings is much lower than apartments. And so in the self-storage world, uh, you get relief from the insurance costs that a multifamily investor is going to see. Yes, that's great. That's great. Because um, I was always concerned, uh, my, uh, one of my buildings in Oklahoma City also was in a partial flood zone. Mm -hmm. and flood insurance is fairly, you know, expensive to get flood insurance. Now, what are your thoughts on flood insurance? And I know, I know Harris County is close to the, the show. How do you, how much is think flood insurance cost? So here are some of the things to think about with flood insurance. One is you, you definitely need when you're underwriting a property to look up the FEMA flood map and see if that property is in a flood zone. It's mm -hmm. going to drastically affect your insurance costs. I would say generally probably double your insurance costs. Wow. If you find that a property is in a flood zone, then you really want to talk to the seller about what they have. So, 
you know, if it's deep in a flood zone, there's just no way there's any changing to that, then it probably is what it is. And you're going to have to pay for flood insurance if you're planning on getting a mortgage, because every lender is going to require flood insurance. And it's probably a good idea anyway, if you're in a flood zone, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a conversation with your insurance advisor. They'll probably ask for something called an elevation certificate, which mm -hmm. is a survey of the relationship between the lowest part of the building and the, the floodplain. So the hundred year floodplain, how likely it is that the lowest part of your building is in the hundred year floodplain. Okay. But if you're looking at a bigger property, you can also consider having a surveyor, having professionals potentially try and get you out of a flood zone. So, uh, so surveyors can come in, can look at it, can uh, apply to FEMA and say, look, this property based on all the information we have should not be a high risk flood pl plane, be in the high risk flood plane. We'd like an amendment to the flood plane so that it's removed. And oftentimes you can get it removed, therefore not being required to carry flood insurance. But your question around price, it's, it's really hard to answer. I mean, especially because FEMA right now in October just completely changed their pricing structure. So I'm seeing some people's prices become much higher. I'm seeing other people's prices become much lower. And it's very hard to quantify why at this point. I mean, we're only five or six months into an entirely new rating system and no one really has very good information about why, which mm -hmm. isn't a good answer for you, Jonathan, I realize, but we're really trying to figure out the why, but you could see certainly anywhere from 400 to $800 a door just for flood insurance uh, as a part of your costs associated yeah. with that property. Now, do you offer that service to um, so look at it and sort of uh, negate that for flood insurance? Or you find out, you know, you can you kind of argue, say, hey, this isn't really not a floodplain or something. Uh, I don't do that, but I have connections with people who do. Yeah. So, you know, I, it, it depends on the client and what they want. It usually takes about uh, four to six weeks to work that out. So, and, and there's cost associated with it depends on how big the property, how big the survey, but you know, you got to be committed to the property to invest the time and money to potentially get that outcome. Okay. Yes. Okay. Great. So what would uh, like a newbie buying an apartment, what, what should they be careful? I know it's very expensive because you're saying it could double the cost. So that is one important, you could double the cost because a flood insurance could double the cost of the basic insurance. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. What should we be looking for if they're looking at these, you know, these, the, the details? What should we be looking for the key items, you know? In flood insurance or insurance in general? Insurance in general. I, I think the bottom line is you really have to think about your insurance advisor as a member of your service team. So when you hire a property manager, and I'm sure, Jonathan, you've talked about this on your show a lot, one of the biggest decisions you make, right? You pick the wrong property manager, your entire business plan could go down in flames. And I think that that's true for accountant. That's true for lawyer. That's true for you know brokers and everyone else on your team. For someone new coming into the commercial real estate world, my number one piece of advice is see every service provider as a member of your team. And if they can't speak a, about their expertise in a way that makes sense to you and mm -hmm. clarifies that piece of the picture, then they're the wrong person, right? Because I can give you detailed answers about all, all sorts of parts of insurance, yes. but ultimately it's that relationship with that person that you find uh, that, that matters the most. Yes. I think the other big thing very quickly is just, you, you know, buying the cheapest insurance policy is often a terrible idea. It's like, um, <clears throat> you know, if you're uh, on a sunny beach 
in uh, Florida and you go into a convenience store and you're looking at a, a bunch of types of suntan lotion and you see one for seven bucks and one for 10 bucks and one for 12 bucks. And then down in the corner is a huge gallon jug for a dollar. You know, which one do you buy? Most people would say, I would not buy that one, you know, that gallon jug for a dollar. It just doesn't seem like it's right. And that's true for insurance too. It's not right if you're getting it for that much cheaper. Now I have some of the best prices out there, but it's for the right coverage. And so I think, again, it comes back to that relationship. It comes back to that trust. And so the biggest piece of advice for somebody coming in is to uh, pick a service provider that they trust and to believe them when they say the quality matters. Mm-hmm. Yes, because yeah, I think it's you don't want to be penny wise, pound foolish. You want to have enough coverage <clears throat> to cover in case a disaster comes pay just enough mm-hmm. that it makes sense that that is the right right amount of premium coverage to pay yeah yeah i mean i you know i have someone i talked to who wasn't a client of mine but had had a fire um and as soon as you have a big loss as soon as you have something happen this is a, a, a pressure on your business plan how well did you pick your advisors how well did you pick in this case your insurance policy how well did you mitigate risk um you know the story here is an $80,000 claim that paid out about $4,000 when all was said and done because of all the different ways that the policy was not put together properly. And so it just got nickeled and dimed and nickeled and dimed everywhere. And suddenly you're looking at very little of your claim actually being paid out. Oh, I see. So that was a large damage and a fire, but he got very little paid out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And how do you feel about these sort of master insurance policies where you you have many, many 2000 doors and get lower coverage. How do you feel about those? So that's a great question. It really depends. I mean, there's a lot of ways to to do this, right? So when you have a master policy, there's some pros. And and really, I think master policies are for people who have a thousand doors or more. When you're talking to, because that's where the rate break is. Oftentimes on a master policy, we're talking about total insured value on these policies, which is different than market value, but it's not so different. So let's say there's $100 million of total insured value. Maybe this is 1,200 doors. That would be pretty close to a common number, $100 million of total insured value. Then it starts to make sense to have a, a master policy because you get a price break for those higher amounts. Maybe the first $20 million is the same rate as someone would find breaking up all their policies. But then the next 20 million is a little bit cheaper and the next 20 million is a little bit cheaper. And so when you come out with the total rate, you're looking at two, $300 a door as, a, as compared to someone else who's broken it all up and is paying $400 a door. That's a significant savings when you have 1200 doors, right? Yes, yes. Um, the downside of master policies is that you can't split out payment. So a lot of times you have different bank accounts for your different entities. And uh, you know that doesn't work if you're f- funneling all the money through the same, you know, at that size, you're oftentimes creating an LLC that's your property management or your asset management LLC. So it works out pretty well. Um, but you know, I have clients on master policies. I have clients who have the same amount of doors and are not on master policies. The biggest reason to not be on a master policy is usually the way you've structured your LLCs does not have very much common ownership. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at the way these 1200 doors are broken up, 
none of them, like, you know, 20% of them have common ownership to any other 20%. And at that point, it really doesn't make sense to go to a master policy. So again, it comes back to the, the trust in your advisor to be able to look at your portfolio, understand your story and, and, and make the case for it. Um, it can save you a lot of money. Yes, because I know a lot of people go that route to save money in Harris County or one of those things because they're getting really you know, hammered by the high premium costs. Mm-hmm. So they go to go these routes. Um, so that's why I was curious. I'm, I'm one of one of those in, in the Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City is another, you know, yeah, also a high risk zone, right? High risk yeah. zone and, and all that yep. stuff. And um, that's why I'm like, you know, I have to like, you know, went to a lower, lower cost, you know, effective model. Mm-hmm. But that's great. That's great. And um, that's great. Yeah. Jonathan, one other thing you can do, I mean, you can, you can mess with your deductibles too. I mean, I see investors, you know, for a first time investor in a 40 unit property, your comfort zone is probably going to be around a $5,000 deductible, maybe a $10,000 deductible. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you're sitting on 400, 500, 600 doors, now a 25, $50,000 deductible makes sense. You have capital set aside for events where you need to deal with those, right? And I I have clients with $100,000 deductibles. I've seen policies with million dollar deductibles. Mm -hmm. It really is. uh, I think that's the best way to mitigate risk without losing coverage is something you can control, which is those deductibles. Yes, yes. Of course, you could always have a rainy day fund reserve. So in case you have have that Mm -hmm. for insurance, you always need that when you're a multifamily operator. That's, that's great. That's great. Well, how people reach out to you, um, Jeremy, if you want to talk more about, about insurance. So I'd say the easiest way, the simplest thing that you can come from this discussion with is I have an instant multifamily ballpark. It's at shineinsurance.com slash ballpark. It's nine yes or no questions. And it'll immediately give you a ballpark for the property that you're looking at. So if you're underwriting, you're just penciling a deal don't tell don't take the information your guru gave you definitely don't look at that offering memorandum or what your broker said about the insurance cost hit that shineinsurance.com slash ballpark get yourself a ballpark throw it in and pencil that deal um i think that's the best way for folks to connect and just you know get those reps on what the insurance light item looks like uh on your pro forma okay great so your, your website is shine insurance mm-hmm. okay great well thank you very much i join me i appreciate it Absolutely. My pleasure. Good chatting with Jonathan. Thanks for listening. For more information, you can find us online at www.graystonecapgroup.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. See you again next time.